0: When the owner of the Tennessee Titans football team died in 2013, the Eideljorg Museum received a call from his attorney. Kenneth Bud Adams had left his collection of Western and Native American art to the Indianapolis institution. His bequest is one of the three most important collections the museum has received since it was founded in 1989. This winter, the museum is showcasing the gift in the exhibition Titan of the West. the American West. We've all got some version of it, I guess.
1: He was my first and last real cowboy.
0: There are plenty of cowboys and Indians on view in the Titan of the West show at the Idlewild Museum in Indianapolis. Or, well, guys that look like cowboys, at least. Take this painting by Frank Tenney Johnson.
1: Well, this is a, f- a fun painting. It's called On the Camarillo Rancho.
0: The Eideljorg's chief curatorial officer, James Nottage, gives me some backstory about Adolfo Camarillo, he of the ranch where the painting is set.
1: He actually was the world's largest producer of lima beans, so he wasn't really a cowboy, but he was a westerner. And the Camarillo Rancho wasn't exactly a working ranch,
0: but more of a resort for fellow tycoons who belonged to a social club called the Rancheros Visitadores.
1: And that is a group of wealthy uh, writers who still to this day, since 1930, gather outside of Santa Barbara, California, to sort of enjoy a a Western lifestyle for a a few weeks uh, in the summer.
0: A member of the Rancheros Visitadores himself, the painter of the dude ranch scene, had a lot of practice representing the Western lifestyle to the East Coast establishment. A longtime resident of New York City and a member of the National Academy of Design, Frank Tenney Johnson took frequent trips out west to create illustrations for Field and Stream, Harper's, and Cosmopolitan. In the show, a scene of horses being changed on the Pony Express showcases what became known as the Johnson Moonlight Technique.
1: It's a very aesthetic painting that does a great deal playing with light and shadow with a moon brightly lighting a a scene.
0: But the painting's aesthetic qualities were not an end in themselves, Nottage insists.
1: It's unabashedly something created to tell or be part of telling a story.
0: Johnson's paintings lent themselves so readily to storytelling, they became part of the visual vernacular. The rights to one of the paintings on view were sold to a calendar company, as were those to many paintings by E.I. Kaus, whose images of classical-looking Native American figures in monumental landscapes were used for tourism.
1: Uh, This painting done in 1919, which he exhibited at the National Academy that year, Uh, was purchased in 1926 from him by the Atchison, Topeka, and Santa Fe Railway Mm -hmm. and was specifically used to promote the the chief uh, locomotive that served tourism in the Southwest.
0: A painting by W.H.D. Kerner hanging nearby was used to illustrate one of Zane Grey's novels. Grey's westerns were some of the first to be adapted for the silver screen an industry in its infancy not too far from where Charles Schrevogel was making the paintings we see in the
1: show. It's uh, interesting to note that he lived in a high rise, and he often had his models posing as soldiers on the roof of his Hoboken apartment house, at the same time that the first Western films were being fully scripted (laughs) and produced in New Jersey.
0: Like those early Westerns, Charles Schrevogel's scene of a Native American in full regalia hunting buffalo on horseback— and Frank Johnson's Dude Ranch Nocturnes rehearsed the familiar tale of how the West was won. We're
1: looking at paintings that sort of verified America's idea of the conquest and assumption of control, if you will, of the West. These are sorts of works that freeze the West in time in some ways, and native cultures.
0: But in this exhibition, the painters don't get the last word in the story of the West and its native people.
1: The counterpoint to that in this collection, wonderfully, is the everyday objects of the same people that demonstrate that they're still with us.
0: The collection showcased in this exhibition is that of Kenneth Bud Adams, whose name might be better known to sports fans than museum goers.
1: Bud Adams is best known to the general public because of his ownership I think of the Tennessee Titans football team.
0: One of the founders of the American Football League and founder of the Houston Oilers, Adams' interest in the art of the West reflected the diversity of his own background.
1: His family Drilled the first successful oil well in the history of Oklahoma. His family was active with trading posts uh, among a number of tribes in northeastern Oklahoma. His family from the 1830s to the present has maintained its ties as a part of the Cherokee Nation.
0: That's right. Bud Adams, owner of the Tennessee Titans, was an enrolled member of the Cherokee Nation. While investing in well-known landscape paintings,
1: Adams acquired hundreds of artifacts that spoke to his Indian ancestry. Uh, while Adams in the paintings uh, liked the general Western genre, he also collected deeply in work by Towson Santa Fe artists that you see With the native objects, he preferred and concentrated his collecting on plains objects, primarily beadwork. He also broadened his view so that he was collecting southwestern weavings, pottery, baskets, and other objects that aesthetically were important expressions by artists from a a wide range of cultures.
0: Upon Adam's death in 2013, the Eideljorg staff learned with some astonishment that the businessman had given the museum his 400-piece collection of Native objects and Western-themed paintings by the likes of Albert Bierstadt,
1: Frederick Remington, and Thomas Moran. In terms of quality and the importance of the individual pieces, the total gift is one of the most important in our history. From among the 400 pieces, a team of four
0: curators, two of them Native Americans, selected the 60 paintings and 90 cultural artifacts on view in Titan of the West to explore themes of identity.
1: The paintings speak rather loudly about American identity related to the West. Uh, whereas young Native scholars can speak more eloquently using the Native objects to talk about Native national identity, Native tribal identity, Native personal identity.
0: So while painters like Frank Tenney Johnson and Charles Schrevogel helped romanticize the American West to such an extent that factories are still cranking out shirts with pearl snaps, a handmade shirt from the 1880s that's on view tells a less cinematic story of a real man and the woman who loved him.
1: We're looking at an exhibit case that includes a range of things, a a porcupine-quilled man's shirt. The colorful orange and blue strips are dyed porcupine quill. But this was a tremendous work of art that was created by a a woman for a man and her family that is really an expression of that man's personal identity. it's, It's as much about him as it is about being a shirt, if you will. So it, And it's one of the really beautiful examples of a shirt like this, a, a very high art form produced by uh, women artists in the upper Missouri, women of the Mandan, Hidatsa, and Arikara tribes a type of shirt that was so much appreciated that it was traded for by other tribes at the time.
0: Putting objects used in daily life next to paintings not only creates an aesthetic equation among the pieces in Titan of the West, it allows different kinds of stories to be told by different tellers at the same time.
1: A painting by Frank Tinney Johnson of of Sioux people in the Dakotas uh, done in the 1930s is a storytelling painting about the American Indian. But if you look near it at a fully beaded Lakota vest, it also shows American Indians on horseback with their feathered headdresses.
0: And in the case of the beaded vest, as with the porcupine quilled shirt, the storyteller is a
1: woman. This is a work of art created by a Lakota woman to tell part of the life story of a male member of her family. Life
0: stories long underrepresented in American history are told by other pieces in the show.
1: Things that you see like a girl's dress or a beaded baby bonnet or a cradle board. these are expressions of something real in the lives of these people, but they're also an expression of resilience among these people. These being objects done at the same time when children were being forced from their families to go to boarding schools and their fine outfits were taken away from them, their hair was cut, they were forced not to speak their native language. These are real expressions that they persisted and that those traditions and languages survived. They're still challenged today, but these are cultural objects uh, that are related to persistence.
0: The inclusion of these expressions of persistence was a critical curatorial choice. Standard history has foregrounded a different tale of persistence. The white man's struggle to settle the frontier One of the most recognizable works of art in the exhibition speaks to that narrative.
1: It's an important Frederick Remington painting that was done in 1893. It's a classic portrayal of a cowboy on a wildly bucking bronco. It's this sort of symbolic expression of the the white man overcoming and, and controlling nature.
0: Considering the painting in the context of American history, however, Yield some irony about the timing of that message. Uh,
1: that same year in Chicago with the World's Fair taking place, Buffalo Bill's Wild West show performed across from the, the main fairgrounds, and a young professor named Frederick Jackson Turner presented a paper uh, in Chicago uh, declaring that through the study of census and other records that the frontier had, era had come to an end.
0: But it was only the beginning for the Western mythmaking era.
1: That horse is sort of frozen in midair, uh, just as portraiture of Native Americans shows them sort of frozen in time. The West, in a way, becomes sort of frozen in time. One of the neat things I like about the idea that this collection was given by A Native American, a Westerner who identifies with the West, is that he himself demonstrates that Native people and the West are both alive today.
0: This is Cafe Indiana, and I'm Yael Cassander. The Kenneth S. Bud and Nancy Adams collection of Western and Native American art is on view in Titan of the West at the Eidljorg Museum until February 5th, after which time the artworks will be incorporated into core galleries throughout the museum.